2: is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos.
0: Hello,
2: hello, and welcome to episode... Two hundred and forty-six of the Ministry of Arts podcast. And before we go anywhere, of course, thank you to our Patreons, without whom we would not be able to produce this podcast. There is a couple of things happening this week that I want to bring your attention to, one of which is spoken about in this episode, but the first being the affordable art fair at Battersea from the 6th to the 10th. Just like the London Art Fair a couple of weeks ago, the London Art Roundup has gathered together several voices from the art world to give their critics choice of the best booth for works under £1,000. So myself and several others, including friends of the podcast, Joe McLaughlin from Joe's Art History and good old Tavish Khan, will be heading down there to do just that. And for more information on who's doing what, and where, go over to Instagram and search for the London Art Roundup or the Affordable Art Fair. And again, something that's including Joe McLaughlin is this year's Art on a Postcard's auction for International Women's Day. Joe is one of several curators who have got an array of artists to create works for this year's Art on a Postcard. And if you know anything about Art on a Postcard... It's always a sensational exhibition that raises thousands for its chosen charity. And to hear our art and a postcard come about, look up the Ministry of Arts bonus episode 26, which features Gemma Pepe, the founder, which in turn brings us to this week's episode, which features another one of those curators, Georgia Powell, co-founder of Cura Art. This was a transatlantic episode as Georgia was over in the US and was just getting over freeze week. In this episode, Georgia tells how within two weeks of meeting Liza Shapiro at a new job at the Redfern Gallery, they came up with the foundations of Cura Art. It supports serious art collectors, artists via residences and something I found really interesting was how they support those who are the beholders of artists' estates. Something I've never really considered before. So please come and join me as I spoke to Georgia Powell of Cura Art. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Not bad, not bad. What time is it there?
1: It is 8.30 in the morning. It's also the end of freeze week in LA, so... you good though? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad.
2: Not bad at all. Well, as you know, there is several questions that I ask each guest. Georgia Powell. The first is, how would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know you?
1: I would explain. So it's it's fairly complex and I spend a lot of my time explaining what we do. <laughs> um it is supporting collectors in the in a broad sense of the word. So um everything from managing their collection, which includes insurance, inventory conservation to educating people and what the role of the collector is today I work a lot with Christie's education nice. to do that and then also how the role fits into the arts ecosystem how can collectors fulfill that responsibility towards the works in their collection but also to artists so we have a side project called the residency which sees collectors funding artists through a month-long residency and really about how collectors can give back.
2: And that is via your co-founded company?
1: Exactly, exactly. So it's myself and my business partner, Liza, who's based in Los Angeles. So we're between London and Los Angeles.
2: Brilliant. That's where we're speaking from. yeah (laughs) yeah but that's where
1: you are speaking yeah that's where i am at the moment yeah it's the end of freeze week here it's raining here to be honest though so it's probably similar yeah (laughs) it's quite
2: quite sunny here so yeah um yeah you were just saying that the uh, before we started that uh freeze was quite different over there compared to the london
0: well
1: freeze week i'd say rather than freeze itself freeze itself is a similar white tent concept but Freeze week there's um a brilliant fair here called felix which is at the roosevelt hotel um and the galleries actually take over the different rooms in the hotel um and it's all around they're called cabanas around the the pool which david hockney painted it's um much more laid back much more artist-led there's um other fairs going on at the same time a real sense of community oh nice yeah
2: a good feeling to have
1: um
2: where did your art journey start did you have um art or creativity in home growing up
1: absolutely yeah i always have been creative myself my mother was creative as well my dad um is actually a jeweler so creative and you know using his hands um My grandfather had a huge influence on me in terms of my interest in art. And I always was, I was one of those really lucky people that I always knew I wanted to do. I always knew that I wanted to work in the art world, just because I, like, I, I think there's so much to say of the kind of escapism and magic that art can, can bring to you. And, you know, would just lose myself in books about mainly because of my grandfather, he was really interested in the renaissance that's where it really started but obviously it's expanded since then and i studied art history i worked um i pastored a curator at the vna age 17 kind of rather precociously to offer me (laughs) an internship i still remember his number off by heart (laughs) um and then i worked in a gallery and that's actually where i met my business partner
2: oh yeah What, what gallery was that
1: it was the Redfern Gallery on Cork Street. Yeah, yeah, next yeah. to flowers. Exactly, yeah, that's yeah. the one. That's oh, superb. Yeah.
2: So your adult career has just been in the arts altogether?
1: Absolutely. Um, In different parts of it, I'm really lucky. I do think there's an awful lot of luck, luck involved, and I don't think that's talked about enough. No. Um, And also just meeting people at the right time. The The gallery job I walked in, it was still before... Emails were such a big thing and I walked around with a kind of hard copy of my CV and happened to walk in the day that they were thinking of hiring somebody. So honestly, I I, I think, yeah, it's so hard and it can be so intimidating. Yeah. And, yeah, it's so much about, unfortunately, making connections and knowing the right people to put you forward for things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and being in the about, room.
2: Sorry, saying that about before email was so common. Um, it's just like the artist going into a gallery with a an a one portfolio under their arm,
1: yeah, that's, which that's yeah. Sort
2: of more or less gone now,
1: but it's changed so so quickly. So I worked in the gallery only twelve years ago now, and that was the normal thing that a gallery an artist, sorry would come in and kind of dump their portfolio on the on the desk. It wasn't sharing websites, and it certainly wasn't such immediate access that we have now through Instagram. And other social media.
2: I had to take some artwork into a gallery maybe six months ago because they wanted to see it in person. Well, yeah, when I was showing them the portfolio, I really did miss that experience of talking about the work in front of us rather than it being hanging yeah. on the wall but showing my work in person. Yeah. Rather than on like in, in the palm of my hand.
1: I think we do really miss. It's so important to experience art and be in the same space of it. We're so used to seeing it on screens now, which, you know, there's negatives and positives. I think it's wonderful that we have such immediate access to finding artists and seeing their work, but it is completely different experience seeing it in person.
2: I mean, I think the lockdown and uh, COVID changed things slightly because every artist, even if they wasn't so... Um, au fait with showing their work online that's all we had so everyone was uploading every and and i think i saw more art in in two years than i'd seen in the previous 10 but everything was sort of three inches square you know
1: yeah i think it had a massive impact i actually think it had an impact on what was being made as well Yeah. um at that time you know instagram was only you could only upload square shaped images and honestly, the amount of square-shaped paintings that you'd then see.
2: <laughs> Funny, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Superb.
2: yeah. Um, Cura Art, how was that formed? I know you said that you met Liza in the Redfern Gallery. Yeah. But how did that come about?
1: We met, as I said, working at a, a gallery together. And with honestly, within about two weeks of knowing each other, we sat down um, actually at my parents' house and wrote down what we grandly called a business plan but it was just us kind of scribbling in a notebook um with the idea so Liza had studied um conservation and restoration she studied um in Florence and that's what really kind of bonded me to her going back to that my initial you know interest in the art world being the renaissance yeah we sat down we figured with my kind of art history more curatorial knowledge and her conservation and caring collections management knowledge that we could offer something that didn't really exist so a lot of collections management um, and what we do is a museum profession but we saw you know we'd speak to collectors that would come into the gallery and ask us all sorts of questions about post acquisition so how do I get this framed how do I get this conserved what documentation should I keep from this sale? you know, wanting and having an interest in building relationship with the artists that they whose work they just purchased. So yeah, as I said, I spend a lot of time explaining what I do because it's somewhat not it didn't really exist. You know, art advisors and auction houses offer aspects of collections management as part of their services, but we exist. Aside, you know, we don't involve ourselves in any advisory. We purely exist for post-acquisition and supporting collectors. And there's so much need for it because there's so many new people that are coming to collecting art that might not have that same historic kind of inheriting hmm. network and knowledge through that is from their families. Yeah.
2: It sounds like there wasn't really a gap in the market, more that you sort of created the gap to fill.
1: I guess so. I guess so. I think, yeah, we realised, as I said, through all of these conversations with people that were acquiring art that they need support. And I think, you know, it, as as we've said, the art world can be quite intimidating and people might not necessarily feel that can, they can ask for support or, you know, they might feel that they shouldn't be asking those questions because they should already know, which is why I'm really interested in the kind of educational part of it. And as I said, work with christie's education but also really interested in working in other spaces in the educational side you know making sure that information is accessible to people that collect art because you know they have a responsibility but also the art world has a responsibility to them to educate them to know how to support artists to know how to care for the works that they're acquiring
2: and if it's if it's work of any value it, it just helps bolster the value of their artwork if it's cared for in a whole fashion doesn't it
1: exactly and I think you know the market has changed considerably and I think so many works that maybe would have been um in museum collections previously you know acquired by museums are now ending up in private hands so we're also really interested in encouraging access through loans you know we're constantly processing loans from private collections so that people can actually see them
2: I generally ask an artist um, if there was five artists that they could show with, who would they like that to be? But as a curator, Mm -hmm. if there was five artists, past and present, who would feature in your ideal group show?
1: Oh, my goodness. Past and present. To be honest, this probably sounds really cheesy. I would like to include artists that I know really well because I think that would be... You know, I'm so, so lucky. I honestly feel like the best part of my job is the relationships I have with artists. And even just choosing, I know we'll get on to talk about the art on a postcard auction that we've curated, but just choosing for that was virtually impossible because I could choose hundreds. Um, There is one artist from the past, though, that I would love to include, and that's Eileen Agar, because I'm such a big fan of hers. Having worked at the Redfern Gallery, I got to know her intimately, I, I I feel. Um, and all of the stories that I heard about her, I would like to include her. But other than that, quite honestly, it would be artists that I genuinely love. So, you know, lots of the artists that are included in the the auction. Um, I'm so lucky with our project that we started that's just called The Residency, that I get to work really closely with artists on that. So that's a funded artist residency. That we find patrons to fund basically through a month-long residency which is currently at Villa Lena in Tuscany and I spend time with the artists there for the whole month which is just an absolute dream um one artist that we spent time with um last year so June 2023 was Remy Ajani and um and she's included in, in the art and a postcard auction and her work is just phenomenal um, and I really got to know her. So I would include her for sure. Um, a lot of the work that I do also um is with artists' estates and working with artists later on in their career to think about their legacy and their estate. Um, an estate that I manage is um the Jane McAdam Freud estate. So she was um Lucy and Freud's daughter, S- Sigmund Freud's great-granddaughter. But aside from all of that, that's always how she's introduced, but she was an incredible artist in her own right and a close friend of mine and just the most experimental. She was constantly thinking of new mediums and she was amazing. So I would include her and another artist. Did you say she
2: was or is amazing?
1: She was. She passed away two years ago and so I've been working closely well, under two years ago, actually, about 18 months ago. So, I've been working very closely with her family to put together a plan to manage her estate and really promote her work. So, I would include her just because, as with so many women artists, I don't feel like she got the exposure that she deserved. Yeah. She's in big collections and she is referred to, but just not, it's not an everyday name. And that's why I feel like she should be. Um, I'm always really drawn to figurative works. And so there's a, there's quite a lot included in our auction that are, that are figurative. Um, I absolutely love the work of France-Lise McGurn. She would also be another top choice. And Jill Button is also included in our auction and I love her work. So yeah, I think I can't, I don't know if that's five yet, but <laughs>
2: i <It's, it's laughs> just be. There so far.
1: Okay. Well, Holly Stevenson, who I know has include, been included in your um, podcast as well, is also a, a friend and who, someone whose work I really admire.
2: I learned a lot from from speaking to her.
1: Yeah, she's amazing.
2: It was one of those that I don't have many when they feel like I've had a, a little art lesson, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I learned something from everyone, obviously.
1: Yeah. Yeah, super.
0: Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at onepeloton.com/slash bike slash rentals.
2: What would you, what do you think you'd like to do if you wasn't within the in the arts? I know that that's been your your world.
1: I can't imagine not being in the arts, if I'm honest. If I weren't doing what I were doing. And um I think the, the teenage and child version of me would love for all, me to also be painting. That kind of taps on my shoulder every so often. Why aren't you doing that? And do you? I do occasionally. Um, I find a lot of excuses not to have the time to do it. Um, but genuinely, I feel like that's what I should focus my life on at some point. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, if I weren't doing what I do, I would love to to really focus on creating myself but if i weren't in the art world at all i honestly couldn't work out what i would what i would do i'm quite yeah. organized so maybe something <laughs> that utilizes that skill i don't know
2: i love when i speak to someone who's who's had art in their life all of their life because they always have trouble answering
1: yeah. these questions yeah i honestly wouldn't know what what to say it's not even like it feels like a job to me either. I know, again, that sounds so cheesy, but if I weren't I true. in close contact with art or artists, I honestly, it's what makes life worth living for me. It's what makes it meaningful and magical and, yeah.
2: Brilliant. It's what makes the world go round,
1: right? Yeah.
2: And it's um, so important, yeah. Oh, no, we, without question, I didn't realise... The importance of art before I discovered it and when I did discover it it just it changed everything it changed my outlook on yeah. life on the world on others on myself even yeah um, and it, it just changed it changed everything insofar as um, I, I don't know if you've heard me say this before um it, it sort of broke the chain to my previous life but my children that I've got now wouldn't be the children they are or that yeah. they, they wouldn't be the people they are. Uh, yeah. If I hadn't discovered that and made them changes, but um, yeah, you can change the world. That's for sure. Um, what have you got coming up Georgia?
1: Um, so as I said, we've had a busy week um, in, in Los Angeles. We, I've recently partnered with a nonprofit in L.A. to fundraise for our residency project so that we can give more support to the artists involved and also, you know, artists that aren't involved directly in the project, trying to create a sort of community and mentorship. So we had our first fundraiser event in Los Angeles um, this week. So kind of trying to build on that, planning for another similar event later this year. They are on a postcard sale, obviously, we have coming up. Um, As I've mentioned, I do a lot of work with Christie's Education, so we're about to head out to New York in May to do a course there on um, teaching collectors what it means to, to have that responsibility and title. We'll spend the month of June in residence with the three artists that are going through our residency, so we're so lucky that Liza and I actually get to spend the month there at Villa Lena with them. Um it sounds yeah, like you've a lot there's a lot going on. going on there, Georgia, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no we're really here. yeah, we're really lucky, and obviously Good. the kind of general day to day is working with collectors to help them manage what they have yeah. um but so much of what we do is behind closed doors, and obviously we have to respect the the privacy of, of our course, clients, of so we don't we can't really talk about that, which is a shame um can I ask? Yeah.
2: When when you created Cura Art, was it just in the UK at first or did it start being sort of transcontinental straight away?
1: So the, although we had the idea maybe, you know, 12 years ago when we worked at the gallery together, we only really launched it in sort of 2018 and Liza had already moved back to, so she's from California, she'd moved back here. So when we officially launched it, um it was in you know the UK and the US yeah, um yeah we'd done projects together when she still lived in London but yeah when we officially launched it it was it was both
2: yeah because a, a lot of the time someone will come up with a concept if they're in the UK and then try to take that concept yeah. over there but yeah starting it with with both countries in mind brilliant
1: yeah we had wanted to to start the company since we met, but felt like we needed to gain a bit more experience yeah. and kind of broaden our network and then we you know we questioned whether it's it's the right thing to to launch this when once we had kind of separated in in terms of our location yeah. but yeah, it's now worked to our benefit to be honest because we get to have these bases in different different parts of the world yeah
2: and is there a different attitude to collecting art? In the in the two different countries,
1: yeah, I'd say so for sure. In um, what respect, I feel like um, because of the the history in in Europe um, on the subject, it just seems a bit more uh, what's the word serious. I don't know. Okay. Whereas in Los Angeles, people, as I've mentioned, you know, this week with Freeze and Felix, people seems to be a bit more artist-led. Yeah. There's a real sense of community. It just seems a bit more open. There doesn't seem to be the kind of, as much kind of of an academic approach like you have in Europe. I, f- I feel that's, that's sort of changing. It is. System. It is for sure. No, it is for it sure. Is
2: pretty much since um sort of like Damien Hirst and his Freeze exhibition, since since then the the artist has been, more empowered, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, the street artist took that complete and turned it completely on its head. But yeah, definitely. In, in in the UK, the galleries still have the stronghold, that's for sure. But
1: exactly, yeah, it's definitely changing. But in terms of the collecting over here, it's different as well because people just have bigger houses generally. Yeah. Um so that influences, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it seems I don't know, it just seems to be different things that, that people collect. For instance, of um, art fair like Masterpiece, which obviously doesn't exist anymore, but existed for lots of many years in London. I just don't feel like that would really suit the audience in Los Angeles. So it's just a, a case of aesthetics and what people are interested in.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's two different markets, so that's all the best, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I'm really lucky that I get to experience both.
2: From a personal aspect, is there one that you lean closer to?
1: In t- terms of the two locations?
2: No, the, the the two genres of art, be it the artist-led um, contemporary or the more traditional.
1: To be honest, I feel like I appreciate both equally. Like I say, I love building relationships with artists and consider a lot of artists my friends, which I feel very fortunate to say. Um, but my training and um, kind of really started in more historic works, as I've mentioned. So I feel like I I really do appreciate both.
2: You've been one of the curators for the um, the Art on a Postcard International Women's Day yeah.
1: auction. Yeah. Tell
2: us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so um, it's something that they've been doing for a, a good few years now. And, yeah, they reached out and asked if we'd be interested in putting together um, an auction for them. It raises money for Hepatitis C Trust. Um, we're alongside um, other women working in the arts. So, yeah, it feels incredibly special to be included and a part of it. And like I say, I could have, we, we could have chosen so many artists. Um, we've chosen a few. It's obviously based in the UK and there's the auction, which is run by the auction collective, um, but it's based in London. But we wanted to include a couple of artists from LA just to kind of represent the the full breadth of the company. But I could have, you know, chosen so many. It was really hard.
2: And how many did you have to select?
1: They told us up to 20. And I think we got about 18 in the end. Um, Artists just tend to be really busy at the moment, which is really good for them. But obviously a few had to turn down... The opportunity. Because yeah. I also, you know, it, they're, they're donating the work because it's raising money for, for charity. So I also, you have to be sensitive when you're approaching an artist to donate their work, you know, that they might not have the time to dedicate to it right now.
2: Yeah, brilliant. Is there any that you can name off the top of your head?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I know all of the artists that we've included personally. So, yeah, I mean, I've mentioned a couple... Holly Stevenson, Remy Ajani, Claire Shenston are included in our in our auction. Claire is an artist um, who I'm working closely with who um, is terminally ill, is kind of thinking about the legacy for her art. And so I'm working with her alongside um a few other colleagues to ensure, you know, an estate and a legacy plan for her work. Um, which is really, really important. You know, she, as I've as said about about Jane, hasn't received the the recognition that she deserves, um, is always talked to in the same breath. So she was a very close friend, friend of David Bowie. Um, she was taught by Francis Bacon and he kind of picked up her work. So that's how she's always introduced, but she's an incredible artist in her own right. And honestly, her studio... I'm so fortunate that I get to spend time in artist studios and it's just an absolute warren of incredible works, like really experimental. She does these amazing cloth heads that I've never genuinely seen anything like before. Um, quite surreal, quite haunting. She's amazing, so I'm really glad to include her. And I think it's really important. You know, it's something that we talk about a lot with our artist residency that it can't just be aimed at emerging artists. Okay. You know, the support system, it has to also consider artists that are later on in their career. You know, a lot of women had to have career breaks because of having children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Claire is in her 70s and we're also really excited that an artist that's going through our residency project this year is a, is later on in her career as well. So I think that's also really important to to point out. Um, who else? Um, we work with artists in LA, as I've mentioned. So there's a couple, um, from LA. There's a few that have gone through our residency program already. So Remy Ajani, um, Alejandra aristisabel and Precious Opera, uh, artists that we've been very fortunate enough to support through our residency project. With an amazing project.
2: name as well, should I add?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's Alejandra is based in in Colombia and makes these incredible textile pieces from a native plant called fique, okay. and really works with farmers there. So any sales she makes of her work, money goes back into the community and supports the farmers that actually make that natural material Super. into a kind of textile that she can use for her work. So yeah, she's a wonderful artist. Brilliant.
2: I know that they the the auction is online. It's already is it already run? yeah, it's already running the auction as far as I'm aware.
1: Yeah, it opened a couple of days ago and it runs until the twelfth of March, but it opens to the public. I think the private view is the fifth of March next week. Brilliant. um so you can go along and see it in person. and, what's and then that? the it's at the bomb factory in Covent Garden, so they take over the the space there, and yeah, the the fifth of March is the private view. I think they're, they're there for a, for a few days, but then the actual auction is hosted online by the Auction Collective.
2: Excellent. I mean, it's always an amazing experience just to go on and see the array of art that that art and a postcard offer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's an organisation that I wholeheartedly support. I've actually bought a few of their their postcards in the past.
2: Brilliant. That is all my questions asked. For anyone who wants to find out more about yourself and Cura Art, where can they find out what you're doing, be it website or social media?
1: Um, So our website is curaart.com. We also uh, have a separate website for our residency project, which is the residencycommunity.com. We have social media accounts, which are with the same name. So hopefully you'll be able to find us that way.
2: And what you've got in store for the rest of the day, Georgia?
1: um i am heading to a couple of um openings today so and there's a artist talk that i'm going to um in la openings happen to be on a saturday or at least kind of galleries put on events on saturdays which is quite nice
2: how much easier is that
1: i know with people being parents i know it's it's amazing and honestly along the lines of what i was saying with it being a bit more warmer and welcoming people show it with their children their dogs so that's why I'm off too. Yeah.
2: I and mean, we're just used to it being on a bloody Thursday on
1: normally a rainy,
2: rainy evening at six. Yeah. And you yeah. Can try and do five or six of them at the same evening.
1: I know people are in two minds about it. Like people that, are, that live here and are used to it don't really like it because then it then extends. I mean, people that work in the art world at least, it kind of extends their working week, but it's still novel to me. So I love it. Well,
2: Georgia, thank you for your time. See you later, Georgia.
1: Have a good day. Bye. Bye.
2: Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast It's a podcast that's produced with the help of the listener And if you like what you've heard And you think you might be able to give a little support There's two ways in which you can do it If you go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile You'll find a Linktree down box And in that box you'll find two links One is called Buy Us A Coffee And it's pretty much that you can make a one-off payment the price of a cup of coffee. Or, if you're able and want to do it more long-term, you can become a Ministry of Arts Patreon, where you can sign up to support us on a monthly basis, and 100% of your support goes back into the podcast. And if you're not able to do that, that's absolutely fine. This content is free for everyone. But we would urge you to follow us on your socials and show us a bit of love that way. Either way, thanks for listening, and see you next time. Shut up.
0: 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com work. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water